Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. John proclaims it at the very beginning of his gospel, and it's a truth that carries us through any and all darkness, that Jesus, the true light which enlightens everyone, is coming into the world. Well, friends, I think you'll agree with me that what with everything going on in the world these days, we need that light about now. For His is the light that prevails. That's the subject and the title of our message for today, which was recorded during this week's online service of worship together as East Church. It's based on John's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 20 through 33 and begins with some praise for a different sort of light. Well, as one who has spent uh, some amount of time camping out in the woods of Maine and New Hampshire, I can personally vouch for the importance of being properly prepared. <clears throat> and being properly prepared means having a Coleman Lantern, to have always a Coleman Lantern on the trip with you. Now, I do have one that's hanging out in the garage, but you know what I'm talking about. My wife referred to it this morning as the Mercedes uh, of camping equipment because it, it really offers the kind of light you need when you're out in the woods. As far as I'm concerned, folks, it's the one thing that really can cut through a dark, enveloping night in the middle of nowhere. Now, I understand that there are purists among us who argue that it's the light of a campfire that truly does the job. And I can respect that. But firelight is fleeting and it can't be moved. Likewise, the beam of a flashlight, always good to have one on hand. It's narrow and limited, however. And, and not to mention the fact here that it exists at the mercy of a, of a ready battery. But a Coleman lantern? Oh, man. Coleman Lantern can illuminate the entire campsite and draw hordes of black flies all at the same time. So you've got to have one of those. Now, that said, even the mighty Coleman Lantern can run out of fuel. And if you've ever happened to have been out in the woods at night when that's happened, I've got to say it's actually kind of interesting. At first, you're there, the light is shining, and the change is almost imperceptible but the light of the lantern starts to fade just a bit. And, and, and at first it doesn't seem all that different, a little less brilliant perhaps and tad more subdued. But after a few moments, the light does start to dim considerably and the things you could once see clearly start to leave their detail and focus. Whereas maybe you were able to write a book, uh, read a book or even write a book for that matter or play cards or something. Now you can't do that anymore. Even the campsite begins to feel a bit like it's closing in around you because that light which has, was once flooding all around you now just as exists in a tiny glow and it's surrounded by this vast darkness. And, and you sit there and, and maybe you just watch the light of the lantern's mantle gets smaller and smaller until it just finally goes out. And now it's very, very dark indeed. 
You know, one of the prevailing images of the Christian faith and one that is found all throughout scripture is that of light. And in the church, it's an image we carry with us as we make our way through the seasons of our faith in the gospel story. For instance, during Advent, uh, we tell about the prophet's promise of a light that's to come. At Christmas, we celebrate that light's coming in Jesus, Jesus who is the light of the world. And during Epiphany, we rejoice in discovering the meaning and the great expanse of that light. Well, now we're deeply in the season of Lent, in which scripturally and spiritually we are drawing ever closer to the cross. And, and it's different. We begin to see as the days pass and as Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem, we see that the light that we have been seeking and celebrating suddenly is becoming pretty dim. And that the walls of darkness are starting to close in around Jesus and his disciples. Jesus himself confirms this in our text for this morning when he tells the crowds at Jerusalem that just as a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, for it to bear fruit, of course, so also he is moving inexorably towards his own death. The hour of the Son of Man has come, he says. And there's no avoiding the darkness that's to come. Indeed, very soon now in the gospel story, we will hear once again of how this brilliant light was extinguished through acts of betrayal and desertion and humiliation and finally an excruciating death on a wooden cross. Speaking both pastorally and, and personally, this growing and inevitable darkness in the gospel story is one of the most difficult aspects of our shared journey through Lent and into Holy Week. And I gotta say, it's most especially that way this year. And yet, it's precisely in the midst of this encroaching darkness that we discover what God's plan has been all along. Jesus proclaimed it. I said it before. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. But we need to understand that this is a glory of another kind. Not glory in the sense of worldly patterns of power or popularity, but divine glory that's revealed in suffering and death. Truly in what the world regarded as an unabashed tragedy and the triumph of evil over good. I mean the very Son of God, crucified at the hands of a sinful humanity. Our God, however, was proven victorious over sin and death forever in that moment. And in the process, true and lasting light was revealed to the whole world, never to be extinguished again. And friends, if all of this sounds like contradiction on a cosmic scale, well, you're right. It's in fact the one glorious paradox that lies at the heart of our Christian faith, that our life, our true life, comes about through death. Now, by our human way of thinking, that makes very little sense. We recognize that a seed that falls to the ground will likely die forever. Yet by God's intent, it's the seed dying that's required for it to bear fruit, to bring life. Likewise, the execution of this one man on a cross 
would almost certainly signal for us not only the end of a life, but also the end of a movement, the end of hope. Because our logic says that whatever it was the man stood for would be dead and gone along with the man. That's how the world views it. But you see, that's not how God views it. In fact, it's ever and always been God's plan that the death of this man, Jesus, the one who is his very incarnation on earth, would serve as the ultimate act of grace and love. This was God's means to conquer death forever. And the way that God would assure his closeness to you and to me in this life and in the life to come. What we're talking about here is the difference between what the Greeks described as chronos becoming kairos, which simply put is what happens when our time, chronos, becomes God's time, kairos. It's what happens when God comes to work a blessing, even in our worst moments of suffering. It's what happens when, when God enters into our places of pain and fear and anger and regret and sin so that we can be closer to him, so that a place can be made for us in his kingdom. This is what happens when God comes even into our deepest and encro most encroaching darkness to bring his light. For you see, the good news our good news, friends, is that however intently that darkness seems to want to overtake us, this light will prevail. This is an important truth for us to remember, not only in these Lenten days of reflection, but also in all of our days as we make our way through life's myriad and difficult challenges, most especially the ones we're facing right about now. You know, one of the things that over the past couple of weeks that has felt strange and, and even a bit ironic is that even though that with the coming of spring, our days are finally, blessedly becoming longer, what with all the bad news surrounding the coronavirus, in some ways, it actually still feels dark, even darker somehow. At least it's, there's a whole lot less light, a whole lot less bright than it was before. In fact, I dare say that for many of us right now, our anxieties and fears are such that we really are feeling like the walls are closing in on us. And, and as though the light that has illumined our way is as diminished as that failing lantern. That's why it's good news indeed that in the moments when it feels like this darkness is gonna overwhelm us, we discover that there's a greater light shining, a light that will prevail, if only we'll let it in. Ours, you see, is the God of light who is relentless in coming to us even amidst the deepest of this world's darkness. And it should be noted, is determined to shine forth that light amidst our own capacity for darkness as well. Ours is a divine and graceful love determined to transform these days of difficulty and uncertainty into a time of victory and wonder and insight. Time that will bring us unending light, that will prevail for the way now and forever. And in the process, as Jesus said, making each one of us children of light. 
Dear friends, at the very center of our Christian faith is this truth that in Jesus Christ, God was willing to enter into our suffering. And now, as in our Lenten journey, we draw ever closer now with Jesus to that hill far away, bearing the crosses of our own lives and living as we do. It's important for us to remember that his light does prevail as with ours. As difficult and as overwhelming as as these days have been for all of us, we can find comfort and hope in the sure and certain promise that our time is God's time. And that even now, even in this moment, God is seeking to work a blessing in and through our lives. To you and to me, as persons and as a people, as families, as friends and neighbors, as a community here in Concord, as an, an entire nation and in the whole world. Yes, even as, and especially, as the church of Jesus Christ. His is the light that prevails, beloved. So let each one of us, here and now, let that light shine in, so that we can let that light shine forth. And as we do, may our thanks be to God. And that's the message entitled, The Light That Prevails. And it was recorded on March the 29th as part of our current series of online services of worship at East Church here in Concord, New Hampshire. Now you should know, and probably won't be surprised to hear, that because of ongoing concerns regarding the coronavirus, it looks like we'll be continuing these online services for the foreseeable future. And so we'd like to invite any of you who might like to join us via Facebook Live, you can do that by coming to the East Congregational United Church of Christ Facebook page on Sunday at 10 in the morning. That's one way at least we can be together in the spirit of prayer and fellowship, and right now that is everything. So I hope you can be with us. And for now, that's the end of this episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening and for your continued support of this podcast. And by the way, I'd love to hear from you. I'd like to find out how you're doing in the midst of all that's going on. I'd like to hear your stories. And you can do that by pressing the message button on the podcast page online or by contacting me directly through the Love to Tell the Story Facebook page. Either way, I do hope you'll keep in touch. So until next time, Stay healthy, stay home, keep up that social distancing, and as you do, may God bless you with a great day every day. I'll talk to you soon.